today we had Scott Braun from Foul Territory TV on the podcast to talk a little bit about the Mariners, talk about baseball in general, and at the end we talked about our content creation journeys and what it's like to be in the business. And he says, reach out to him if you're looking for help. That full episode is going to be on our Sports on Tap Network, which I'll put link in the description, and I'll put it in here at the end. But you'll see a preview of that. In general, Mariners baseball. I hope you guys enjoy, and let's get into the show. You're listening to the Sports on Tap Seattle podcast. I'm Sammy, and with me as always is my older brother, George. Your favorite place to be a fan of Seattle sports. Now let's get this party started. Gino! Are you ready? I got ready. You're ready. Yeah. Well, if you know through where I I message, we're a Mariners page, and so yes. I'm gonna of course start with talking about the Mariners, and uh, I just want first of all, I I will say obviously being a Mariners fan has been a very hard journey. Uh, you know, I got to watch them in the playoffs for the first time as like an adult just two years ago, and. It was a long time waiting and it was exciting and, you know, it finally happened. But I want to know from an outside perspective, what do you think about the Mariners? What do you, where do you see the direction going? Just give me a little like if I if I gave you a, a hot mic for, you know, one, two minutes, like what would you say about the Seattle Mariners? You know what I was just thinking about while you were saying this? I have the most interesting connection with some of the AL West teams right now in the job that I'm in over any other division. And I'll just run through quickly why that's the case. Okay. So first off you have the Astros who have been dominant in that division for a long time. I think there are a lot of Astros fans that feel like certain shows, podcasts, publications pick on them. They can never get over what happened years back. We talk about that when it comes up at relevant times, but we also just talk about the team. So I think there has been an Astros contingent that's like, cool, I can get a little more of a neutral take here. Um, I'll go down the line here. I'll I'll kind of finish with the Mariners, right? So Angels fans, I freaking can't stand the way that Artie Moreno (laughs) runs his team. I, I am pissed about it. I voice my frustration about it. Some fans really connect with us on that front. There are other fans that get insanely defensive with me on social media and they try and get after me. And I sometimes call it Artie's army. And this actually started a long, long time ago when I was on Sirius XM hosting a show. And I said, I feel like they're wasting Mike Trout's prime years. And the lead broadcaster for the team at the time went after me on Twitter and was kind of trying to say how I don't watch their games or something. Um, wait, hold up. Insomniac. Late night, dude. I'm watching a lot of your games, okay? And I also know what's going on behind the scenes, and you're a team employee, and I'm saying what I want, and then actually had to have a conversation about scaling it back, because at the time, I'm working for the league, so I can (laughs) unleash myself now. So anyway, I've, I've gotten like this hot and cold where some fans are just like almost giving me the vibes that I can't complain or be pissed for them because I'm not going through it on a daily basis. So, So anyway, that's my relationship there. Um, Rangers, I don't really have anything positive or negative, like great vibes, cool coverage. So I'm not really talking about them, um, in, in this regard, I'll give you two more. I was just in Oakland. I feel insanely connected to that fan base. It's passionate. They're getting kicked in the face by the most poisonous owner in all of sports right now. They just ran their own fans fest because of course the team wouldn't run one for them. 15,000 people. It's the most, um, entertaining, 
attention to detail, enthusiastic fans fest I've ever seen. It was so perfectly run. There were so many local businesses there. They showed that if you gave them a nice ballpark and gave any shits about the team that yeah, like 1%. they would show up and they would spend, <laughs> right? So that, that ownership is a freaking train wreck. And it's not just an Oakland problem. That's a baseball problem. That person should not be involved in our sport. So anyway, I have a lot of now new friends with the Oakland A's franchise. And now we get to the Seattle Mariners. So for me, I have had a lot of venom towards the ownership group this offseason because I also feel like fans are getting duped. I am well aware of the history of the Mariners and how long it took for them to crack the playoffs again. I watch a lot of Mariners games. Dave Sims is one of my favorite broadcasters. I'm up late. I watch them all the time. I feel bad for teams that have gone through a lot of losing. I grew up around a lot of Mets fans. They went through a lot of pain as well. He, I, I felt like he almost, he almost <laughs> you good? spit up his water. He's like, oh, yeah. Mets fans. Okay. Um, but anyway, for Mariners fans, I love the pitching staff. I love what they've done there. I think Jerry Depoto's done a lot of great things. I think we finally got to the last two off seasons here coming off a playoff appearance and they came up short. You know, like, okay, but I'm still kind of buying the vision here. And then this off season, punch in the mouth, in my mind. I can't believe they didn't take another step up and spend on this team. A lot of people thought that they were going to be in play for Shohei Otani, and I think he would have been interested. And the fact that they just took themselves out of the race is insane to me. They can definitely afford it. They didn't go after Juan Soto enough. He wouldn't have fit in that lineup that really needed another impact bat to help out Julio, who was pressing in the first half of the season because he needed more help, in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so we look at this offseason. Jerry did the best that he could with the resources that he was given. The resources he was given were essentially nothing. Hey, tinker and make some parts change without spending money is essentially right. what he was being told. It's like and rearranging a desk. And what? It's like rearranging your desk. That worked. That's yeah. all he did. And, and hey, it yeah. might it might work out better. But the fact of the matter is, you you tanked for years. The payroll's not even what it was many years ago. At this point, you sell people on a vision. This is that window right now. And now you're not yeah. going all in on that vision, and you're blaming TV subscriptions. You know what? You know what the best way to do to keep people subscribed to a sports tier that's going to cost more money is. Spend money on the the team and give them a reason to watch and say, you can't look away because we just added Juan Soto to the best starting staff in Major League Baseball and a guy that can go back and forth with Julio, which is what we're seeing now in New York with Judd, right? I'm just giving you an example here. That's how you sell it. That's how you take over a city. And they failed to capitalize on that front. It is all on the ownership of the team. Jerry Depoto just gets a budget and has to work around that. So I'm not going to be critical on that front. 54% comment aside, that was, that was silly, but I'm saying the yeah. job he's done, I will, I will give credit for. So anyway, that's where I feel passion. So I've actually started to make friends with a lot of people, um, both Mariners fans on social and Mariners media more so than I had in the past because I'm vocal and I'm pissed. Yeah. Well, two things. I totally agree with you. I don't blame Jerry. I think if Jerry was given a treasure chest full of money, he would spend the money. He just hasn't gotten a treasure chest full of money. But I think what scares most Mariner fans or scares me, and I think this would echo most Mariner fans, is we've had Ken Griffey Jr. in the past, obviously, Alex Rodriguez, Randy Johnson, Edgar Martinez, Ichiro, Felix Hernandez. 
and we let them all down, all of them. And now I'm worried we're going to do the same with Julio. Like, it's like we've seen it over and over and over again, and there's nothing there that's telling me this is going to be different this time. The prospects in the system right now, um, I would say by most publications rankings are probably in the mid tier range, mm-hmm. right? That, that, that starting pitching run was insane. Now they're all up yeah. in the bit. <laughs> right. Um, they're, yeah, they're here now. Right now on the position player side, there's a couple nice names, but same thing. This was all the buildups so that you can add two to three more pieces to be like, we have the best team or one of the best teams on paper. Right. And we saw this play out this past season. They came up just short. Why did they come up just short? The offense wasn't there. So, yep. and also, we can we can spend 20 minutes if we wanted on trading your closer midseason and trading one of your yeah. best high leverage relievers for, what, two out of the past three years. Not a winning <laughs> yeah. decision either. When you yeah, have, we were sellers at the deadline. That, yeah. That's the difference there. I get that they wanted to bring on some bats, too, that could help on the short term. But I, that is the part that I will disagree with Jerry on. But again, I mean, it is all due to the fact that he doesn't have that in place already because, in my mind, he is being capped on how he should spend. This should not be a mid-tier team. They're what, top 10 in attendance. Seattle is is grabbing this team and loving it. And they should have pushed them over the top with moves that they've made. They might make the playoffs and who knows, maybe even win a World Series this year. But they could have put themselves in a better position to do it. Yeah, I think that's what's... I think you said a couple of things that are really interesting and hit home with me is it's not the fact that, you know, they, Jerry did what he did what he could with his money. Right. And he didn't do an awful job with what resources he was given. Like he had to move things around. You know, I think they've done an okay job of Luke Rayleigh and that, like bringing him in and bringing back Hanniger and, you know, they're fixing uh, Jorge Polanco. Of course they fixed a couple spots, but at the same time, while we get better at second base, I don't know if trading Gino Suarez to the diamondbacks, and then looking for a platoon of Josh Rojas and Luis Uaris at third is really like, you're kind of like upgrading on one spot and then like going to a platoon and canceling on the other spot. And you're kind of just, he, and he was just figuring out ways to say, okay, well, we're going to lose to Oscar Hernandez. So we're going to use less money to fill that in some way and then lose the third baseman and fill the second base with some of the extra money we have. And it was a lot of this like flip flop. Right. And, even though I'm, they did do a great job. Mitch Garver also is a nice pickup, but it's it's still a lot of I would say mid tier pickups, right, in the off season because of the money that Jerry didn't have to spend. And I think it's really frustrating as a fan to see that ownership, like you said, has you know there's a top ten attendance. This is one of the first times in the last 10, 15 years that the whole city is getting behind them. Yeah, and you're making money. Yeah, that's the thing. You're making money. I know that. Seattle is a really good summer, right? Like in general, it's a 75. It's the only really good time of the year. It's 75 or 80 degrees. Fans are going to the ballpark. People are spending and people, I know last year was the all-star game too, which I know produced a lot of money and you have Julio Rodriguez. I'm sure there's more Jersey sales, more merchandise sales in general. And for the, I thought going into this off season was okay. Maybe even if we don't get Otani, maybe we're going to go get somebody like Soto or we're going to put, we're going to put $300 million on the table for somebody like finally, this is the year. And it kind of just came out that, Hey, we're trying to level back to, 
you know, being just good enough to make the playoffs potentially. And that's always a crapshoot, right? You're not, there's no guarantees. So <laughs> it is a frustrating level of, oh, we're, look, we're almost there. We have amazing starting pitching and a lot of it's on a really cheap contract right now. And we still have a, a really good catcher on a cheap contract and a lot of good players like that are not super highly paid right now. This is the time to go in. And it ends up being a situation where they say, hey, let's continue to find ways to move money and kind of make sure we can balance it out or actually even spend less. And that's like, that's my rant, but it's frustrating because I know they did a decent job, but they did a decent job that that doing a decent job doesn't always mean you're doing the best job, right? And, and no, I know and let's Jay, be real yeah. here. We're on, we're, we can say whatever we want, right? So they, yeah. fans got screwed. This is yeah. not yeah. what they should be doing right now, the ownership group. They should be spending... Yeah more money, they should be pushing their chips in. I'm not telling them to do what the Padres did and get your payroll yeah. to over $300 million <laughs> and re-sign everyone and all of that, right? Because also, eventually, everyone's going to get more expensive. I'm sure they're anticipating Absolutely. that with the starting pitching that they have, right? I mean, Gilbert's a stud, and Kirby's a stud, and I think Wu's going to be a stud, Miller, etc. Go down the line, okay? Castillo's already there, we know. Yeah. So I get that part, but that's in the future. Right now, you have a team that is capable of winning a World Series, a pitching staff that is capable of winning a World Series. We said that last year. They did not put this team in a position to win. Cal Raleigh said it himself. Yeah. The, yeah. the quarterback of the team, who is also one of the best catchers in the in the sport, right? Gets it done on D. So he's a good bat. He's even looking at the lineup card and being like, damn, I wish I was hitting like six because we've got some other big boys in front of me, right? It was like pretty good shape up the middle with Julio Crawford and Cal Raleigh, and then a lot of warts, a lot of flaws yeah. around the diamond yeah. besides that. And you just can't talk me into why they put themselves in that position. I mean, oh, you mentioned third base. If only there was someone available that could handle that position well and be an above average mm -hmm. bat and an elite glove to also make the pitching staff and the run prevention even more nasty. If only we could find one oh shit, Matt Chapman's still a free agent. But it, yeah. that never have even heard a connection or a conversation. And now you can probably get him at a discount. It's yeah. been long enough. We're at spring training. Um, fellas, I'm going to let you guys continue this conversation. Scott, uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you, man. I got to get to physical therapy. Yeah, so. do your thing, George. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, gonna to leave you guys. But uh, yeah, go Mariners. <laughs> Thank you. Good talk. Yeah, and I... You too. I think the uh, Matt Chapman thing's interesting. I know a lot of Mariners Twitter is very divided on it, right? Uh, I, It's a very – some people think it'd be a great idea. Some people think it's an awful idea. Now, Why? I don't think there's like, – because some people look at his numbers after the first two months last year, and they were very down. But I, in my defense, I say he's still a better option than what we have, and he's a very good baseball player. So at the end of the day, and people always say, oh, he might be overpriced. I personally, as a baseball fan, forget like media, forget anything. As a fan, I don't give a shit what the owner's paying. If it's a good player, it's not my money. If it's a good player and he's going to be better at the position than the guy we have, I don't care how much the owner pays. Pay the guy and let's get better. As a we team. don't have a salary cap. That's salary cap talk. Why do you yeah. care? <laughs> exactly. Like, who cares about the owner's pocket? Who cares? He's the best third baseman available and you need one. And he's better than the options that you have. Period. Yep. That's all the conversation should go down towards right now. So yeah, I agree. It should be that simple. It should be that freaking simple. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They are way under even the CBT, which is the soft salary cap that exists right now. It's that yep. freaking simple. That would be a total and win. I, yeah. I, I got a lot of um, 
a lot of questions this offseason about Blake Snell because he's from the area. And I was like, first off, that is the position of strength for the team. And even Jerry himself said they wanted to balance how much they're spending on position players versus pitching. And there's still even comments that flow through. Oh, I still just have a feeling that Snell is going to end up in Seattle. Maybe I'm totally off here, but I think that's a delusional thought process. <laughs> they traded Robbie, Robbie Ray away and said, we have too much invested in pitching now and in yeah. the future. We want to balance that more towards position players. Are you about to give Blake Snell $30 million a year over X amount of years? That that goes against everything they're saying. Just because he's from the area, I love Blake Snell. Yeah. Just <laughs> he's going to help a team a lot. It's just not going to be the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, I think what's interesting, it's a good point you bring up. Because right now, if I go on Seattle Mariners Twitter and put out a poll, which maybe I'll do right after this podcast. If I said, would you rather have the Mariners put money towards Blake Snell right now or Matt Chapman? It, I have a strong feeling it'd be majority Blake Snell. And it's simply because he is from the area. Uh, people love him. He was doing like some little league stuff in Seattle this year. I know he's good friends with the old buddy of mine. And I see he's in Seattle on Instagram stories all, all the time. Like it's he's like, awesome, that's, dude. He's that's his home. Yeah. Cool. I love Blake. Yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing. Really cool guy, right? Like everyone seems to really like him. So people love that idea, but I'm the type of person that thinks the same way you're thinking, which is, well, you know, we did trade away Robbie Ray, like you said, because we're thinking, hey, we have five really good starting pitchers. We also have Emerson Hancock, who would be like our sixth pitcher, who's another good prospect, another one that we had in the system that's ready to go maybe if there's an injury. And then you have holes like all over the lineup, right? So like, and I'm not saying the lineup's bad. I'm, I don't want to come across as a complainer because it's a better team that we've had in the last like 10, 15 years that we've had in a long time. But we were looking at a platoon of Josh Rojas and Luis Uaris at third base. Uh, Uaris is already looking like he's potentially not going to make opening day. So if I'm sitting here looking at Josh Rojas at third base, and no offense to Josh Rojas, I'm just saying in general, like that's not what going from Suarez to trying to platoon to going to Josh Rojas, who was not even a third baseman, and he was part of the <laughs> get rid of seawall trade and see what we can do in midseason last year. I don't think that's the right way we should be going to the season. I'd rather go put money, even if it's a little bit of an overpay, go get a Matt Chapman, get a guy who's going to be good at third. No matter what happens with his bat, you know he's going to be good at third, and he's going to be a decent hitter. And it and it's worth the investment and worth the risk, so to say, because you're making your team better. So I just feel... I do know it's a, it's an interesting thing sometimes to fans and like Twitter especially and in the fan world because sometimes people just go based off emotions, which is, oh, Blake Snell's from Seattle. I'd rather have him or pay extra money for him. Um, and they look at things like Matt Chapman and say, well, it's going to be an overpay. Well, whatever. It's Matt Chapman. Pay him. It's not your money, and it's going to make the baseball team better. So I'm with you exactly on those levels of sometimes – you know, I think fans look very emotionally, you know, and we got to just look at like what makes the team better. Yeah. 330 on base percentage up for a fourth consecutive year for Matt Chapman. Also, if you like OPS plus, which I do, and I think makes it easy to make conversation with many people on an advanced stat that's not too complicated to understand. It's above average bat on a consistent yeah. basis, even going through, yes, a couple tough injuries like 
the hip and I'm forgetting which body part was a problem at times last year, which yes, you can definitely dock a player like that for an injury history. No doubt about it. He has been a top three defensive third baseman for a long time in the game. I still think he will be for many years to come. He, he gets you multiple wins above replacement. However you want to look at things just on defense alone, above average bat, above average bat in our game. And I still think has potential for, another layer to the power that he has. I mean, that's the one part that, that many front offices like is like hard hit, exit velocity, the whole deal. He's like towards the top in that category. So add it all up and an injury that caused, you know, uh, I, I guess a, a few months to be not as shiny as they had been in the past for a player that actually usually was pretty consistent to me is not enough to make a case that you don't think he should belong on your team. Also, he had a monster, monster April, and players that have big starts but not great finishes get punished sometimes for recency bias. We just had one on Seattle. I get it. He struggled a lot after that hot start. But how much How much did Jared Kelnick help the team in the first month and change that he played? Would they have three, four more losses if he wasn't their best bat? For the first month and change of the season, right? Yeah. While Julio was struggling, and then he while Julio was batting like two thirty in the first half of the season, that, yeah, that's how the sport works. Sometimes there are some players that are streaky that still you want on your team. Teoscar Hernandez is actually a good example. The Dodgers were all over him because they're like, "Yo, if we catch this guy at the right time, he might be our freaking Adolis Garcia from last year, where he's yep. our our NLCS or World Series MVP that puts us over the top." Kelnick can do that. So can Matt Chapman. So I think there are a ton of positives. Everyone in Seattle should want him to be a part of the team, and you should not worry about ownership's pockets. They're deep as hell. Yeah, they're fine. I, they're doing fine. They're living better than us. Yeah, they, <laughs> I'm sure they're, they're all right. Short, but their pockets are deep. <laughs> yeah, I, I, they, I'm sure they're doing all right. Yeah, I, uh, I, I like, I like that rant there because I think there's one big thing that you uh, mentioned that is important is sometimes looking at the numbers. Like, this is baseball, right? Even Julio Rodriguez batted, I think it was 230 or 231 in the first half of this. It took a seven, what was it, 17 at bat hit streak, 17 hits in a row to like end the season at like around 270 or 280, I think it was. So it, that's baseball. It's streaky. We can't just look at, oh, this person had a bad five months. They're not worth it anymore. They're not good anymore. I don't think it's a fair way to evaluate players. And at the end of the day, the owners have money. Pay the guy. Make your team better. And that's where especially I stand with the Mariners. Yeah, dude, especially the Mariners. So that's why I've, yeah. I've felt a strong connection with Mariners fans. I feel like my relationship with many Mariners fans and media members continues to grow because, frankly, I've watched a lot of Mariners baseball this the past two years, especially. I really like watching most of those starters work. That is how I often decide which game I'm going to focus my attention on when there are, say, multiple West Coast games going on at the same time. Fortunately, in the AL West, for example, I am able to cross some teams off when we get, like, halfway through the season. I'm like, oh, it's August 10th. Um, I got to decide between Mariners, Rangers, or Angels, A's. Cool, I can just watch the <laughs> Easy one choice. game and focus on it. Because at Bell Territory, we're covering the game on a national level. So you got to yeah. keep up with everything. I am, I feel like, pretty well-trained on that front since I've always been working on the national front within baseball. So how do you divvy up your time at night? Because nobody can say they've watched every pitch of a major league season. You yeah. can say, Oh, I had four games on at once, but you can't 
watch every single morsel of every single game. So anyway, the Mariners are a team that I've decided to spend a lot of time um, watching and, and listening to the broadcast. So um, I'm with you, M's fans. I hope the team does well, but if they don't, then you should revolt. And you should already yeah. be revolting because this team should have more star power in its lineup. Yeah, I agree. I like that. And uh, shout out to, uh, I saw you shout out Dave Sims earlier. He's a, he's, a, he's a friend of the show. He was on the podcast about like a year ago, I believe. And uh, great guy. He's honestly, uh, this, this is going to come across as bias. And now this is actually a question that I'm going to ask you because you probably watch baseball at a way higher scale than me. I'm very Seattle oriented with my sports, like football, a lot of Seahawks. I watch all football like most people do, like red zone type of stuff. But with baseball, I'm very Mariners, Mariners, Mariners oriented. I'm not watching too many other games. But when I tune into other games, uh, I feel like this, maybe it's just because of what I'm used to. I feel like the Mariners broadcast is, I, I don't know if the, their voices, the way their excitement, their enthusiasm. I feel like a lot of times they have to be one of the best ones I listen to because there are other ones I listen to and I'm just, I don't, I don't know. Maybe the voices don't feel right. It just doesn't seem like, to me, I'm like this is not as good as the Mariners broadcast. Don't yeah, like well, also you you have the the comfort and the consistency, and there's home. See that I, I feel like it might be that, but like yeah. that's why I'm well, wondering because no, when... that's not discounting what you're hearing. So I'm going to give you both sides. Number one, you're right; it's one of the best broadcasts out there, right? Like for me, when I'm listening to Dave, he, he just hits all the right marks. He's a legend in, in the broadcast world. He, he's called games on basically in every sport. And, and consistently, in my mind, on a nightly basis, rises at the right times for calls. I also yeah. just love his voice. And for some people, you're, you're just born with that. I mean, you can work on your voice inflection <laughs> and all that, but he just has it. Yeah. And I also, for me personally, I also want the broadcast to have a certain style to it where I do feel like Dave's just kind of talking to me in the room. And I get that vibe, right? Where like, I'm almost like, oh, I'm in the press box with Dave. And we're just having a little casual chat at the times when the game slows down or it's the third inning and there's not much going on. I, I just, and he's funny. Like to, to me, he just, he just brings it all. So I've been a huge fan of his for a long time. There are other exceptional broadcasts. I will tell you that. I'm not and saying there's there, not. Yeah, yeah. I'm not doubting no, 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 that. I'm just saying, are, but when also, I listen to them. <laughs> also, there are some terrible broadcasts. Okay. And for me, I might have a completely different outlook versus someone else, but yeah, you know, I, I grew up a big baseball fan. I don't want the broadcast to sound the exact same as it did in 1990. Like it's yeah. 2024. I'm looking for different qualities in a broadcast than I did when I was a kid. And we should expect more as everything should evolve. We just had our big media conversation, how much better, media and sports talk content has gotten in my mind. Some broadcasts have also, you know, rose to the occasion. And for me, there are other ones in baseball where it sounds old. It sounds too traditional. It doesn't sound like I'm in the room for them. It, it just doesn't fit what I'm looking for. I want, I want like some opinion. I want some, some like you know, flair. Yeah, I, yeah. I want all of that. It's, it's just like we, we're seeing with the transformation of baseball, where it used to be unwritten rules and no fun police and all of that. And then it's like, no, nah, if this dude loves to freaking 
show off his style and, and wants to bat flip and all that, aren't we in the entertainment world? Like, I want to okay. be entertained. Yep. They're still playing the game, but they can also have a freaking time and give us lifelong memories that we can literally visualize or we can remember exactly what they said because of how uniquely it was presented. You're always going to have people that freaking hate certain deliveries or certain broadcasters and people that love others, and it could be the same freaking people. That always happens, right? It's just how it works. Yep. Someone can say, this is my favorite broadcaster, and someone else will go, that's my least favorite broadcaster. It's an opinion world, just like it would be for music or anything else. But yeah, I do agree with you. You guys have a special group. There are many other special groups. Um, you know, Gary, Keith, and Ron with the Mets, and Jason Benetti, who now just moved over to the Detroit Tigers, is one of the okay, better yeah, play I know guys. him. That one I know. He was... He was a White Sox guy. He's a he's yeah. a national broadcaster for Fox. I'm probably biased on this, but this this connection started before we became close friends and co-workers. But I sit next to AJ Pruszynski most days to do my show. His broadcast on Fox with Adam Amin, and then sometimes Adam Wainwright's on that team too with those three. For a national perspective, that's an A-plus broadcast. They're fun. They got enthusiasm. They have a ton of personality. And when... It's a regular season 8-1 game between two and teams. I still want to hear what they have to say. That stands out. Yeah, that's what's important too in the broadcasting world. Like you said, I mean, that's where maybe I think you made the point where maybe why I'm biased towards the Mariner stuff is because I have tuned into other broadcasts. Obviously, I have MLB TV. I'm just tuning in randomly. And I'll get a lot of that old school mentality, right? A lot of that like slow talking, like very old proper, like just baseball, like commentary. Fake voice like, no, to I'm... do sometimes. Yeah. Fake voice. It's like a little yep. pitch. Yep. And it's like it's that like 1930s, slow. you know, pitch. <laughs> every every line's a dad joke. I'm like, yep. you know, if there even is any attempts at, at yeah. the entertainment. And like comedy. Just, Here comes so-and-so. In his last five games, he's batting 320. And it's just like, that's fine for some of it, but it, it gets so rigid and vanilla. And most people are better than that. So I yeah, can spend all day slicing up broadcasts. I'm just, yeah, on the negative side, I'm not going to throw names out there unless they piss me off, but <laughs> they, they exist. Yeah. So, but they, they're uh, there. That yeah. We continue to evolve and, and have better broadcasts out there as well. There are, most of them are great, but there are some tough eggs. And I, I think it has to do with just the philosophy that's put out there by either some teams or, or some networks. However, they're making a decision sometimes in my opinion is wrong, but there are many people that think they're right. Yeah. Fair. I got, I got one last question for you. You can answer it quickly and I'll let you go. You mentioned like bat flips and personality and the unwritten rules. I just have to ask, you know, I know, because and I know you're around a lot of players as well. So w what is the thoughts on that? Because for me, some of my favorite memories, I'll never forget. You know, Toronto Blue Jays, uh, Jose Batista, the bat, the bat throw. That was like one of those memories that is ingrained in my brain. I'm not a blue. I actually really dislike the Blue Jays for some reason. It's just one of those teams I don't like because they always filled up uh, the Mariner Stadium, the Safeco Field. At the time when I used to go, I used to go all the time when I was younger. Especially my parents would some for some reason take me to the Blue Jay games. And they were always filled with Blue Jay fans. So I just, that's like one of my, one of those teams that make me mad. But I'll never forget that bat throw, bat flip, whatever you call it. It's something that's ingrained in my memory forever. Even this, this like year with Garcia, every time he hit a home run in the playoffs and just smashing the bat and he's just the emotion to me, 
it, it it should be embraced and added more and more to the game. I think there should be more bat flips. There should be more personality. There's a reason everyone loves Bryce Harper's of the world and all these guys. From the people you're around and your opinion, like do, do people want to continue to see it evolve? Is it, is it, it so? It's something that's not frowned upon or in the baseball circles either. No, right? we got over the hump okay. there. It was for okay. a while, right, for decades, but we got over the hump there. We're past that. We're past the debate of yeah. a bat flip or even a ton of enthusiasm being accepted. I think we're past all of that. And you're just going to continue to see more of it because you're getting a generation that just thinks it's normal. That's what's going to happen here. So, so we're good. That's why okay. I, I like that. I, I can make it even pretty short for you. I just, I don't feel like it's that much of a topic, although it still comes up a lot on our show. Like I, I can tell you two days ago on foul territory, we showed a clip from a college baseball game where there was a bat flip that was that was probably a seven. I mean, it, he, he wasn't. Well, the guy got quick. ejected, right? Yeah, he he took it yeah. about halfway down <laughs> the line. He for a three-run homer, I think that tied up the game, or it might have been a grand slam, whatever. And he got booted from the game, and there were some fans telling us that there's either some rule, I guess, from last year or something about what you are and aren't allowed to do with bat flips or whatever. I don't know enough. I I can't say. I know parts of college baseball. I, I don't study every rule and what's changing yeah. there. If that's a rule, whoever created that should be out of their job yesterday. Yeah. And if it's not a rule, the umpire should be out of their job. You're kicking someone out for a basic bat flip. What are we doing? So unfortunately, yeah. we do still have to talk about it. But I think in Major League Baseball, we, we're getting pretty clear of the bullshit. Yeah, I agree. Because it is it is what makes it fun. I mean, that's one reason for me as a Mariners fan. I love Julio Rodriguez. I love the, the yelling, the excitement, the him going back and forth with Ash, that uh, Astros players at uh, Hector Neris, I think it was at the time last year where they're yep. screaming at each other. I love the passion. Like that's what makes baseball fun. Uh, it makes it fun again. I feel like it's back to like, I feel this excitement and people have emotion and there's more personality coming out, which is what we really needed. Um, you know, that's why I'm just, I'm, I'm enjoying baseball a lot more today than I did even like three, four years ago. I felt like maybe, with, and there's no offense to him, but like maybe with Mike Trout was face of the league, he's more of a quiet guy, not much emotion on and off the field. I feel like the last three or four years, we've gotten a lot of like the Ronald Acuna's and the, and the Julio Rodriguez and a lot more just like flair and excitement. And I think it's like just super good for the game. And I'm just loving the, I don't know. I love the direction it's going in. It's kind of it's, yeah, it's we're, becoming we're more like other sports. Period. Yeah, we're yeah. hitting another renaissance period. I think that's what's happening. The pitch clock's a big reason for that. I've been pushing for that for a while. And just certain rules that needed to be put in place over the last 10 years that would put the game in a good pace position. I, you know, I don't want to spend 20 minutes going over yeah. <laughs> certain old school rule changes and stuff like that. But I am a progressive brain with certain rules. And that was one that I had been a part of actually for a while in terms of calling games because, you know, I had been existing in, in the minor leagues and even before that in the Arizona Fall League and I called quite a few Arizona Fall League games and I was like well this is just a better product <laughs> yeah. so, so all of those changes have led us to this moment and then it's up to people like you and me to make sure that the media side of things keeps up as well because football and basketball do a freaking awesome job like yes. we mentioned of covering their sport of making their sport entertaining even when it's not a game, right? When it, it, it's interviews, it's quotes, it's drama. That stuff's fun. That's what we want. Yes. If every home yes. run is you just you just go Meh, and you walk around the bases, if every interview is just 
I tried my best. Th- that shit's boring. We got to do better yeah. than that now. And that's why I, I love what you guys are doing. Uh, that's why I reached out. I wanted to talk to you guys. I mean, it's uh, I love the ability to make baseball. It's a more fun conversation about baseball. You mentioned it right now. Football, basketball, they do a really good job of having personality and more sports talk and more like talking about fun things and being yourself and talking about opinions. And I feel like you guys are doing that really, really well. And uh, I, I, it's, it's good for the sport. So I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. I appreciate it too. Yeah. We had some people that left some cool job situations because they believed in this vision. So I'm entertained being a part of it and listening to all the guys that we have on the show and girls that come on the show. Um, so it's been super cool. And even like the layer of Ken Rosenthal being the most respected insider voice, mm-hmm. breaking all the news in our sport for a long time and having him part of the team you know, on a, uh, multiple times a week, to do his show and come on our show and go over all of the signings, trades and drama, same thing that's going on. Cause he's in on the combos with the execs and the agents and everyone else. And just to be able to do, to just tell it like it is like, you're not going to get cut off by a commercial. Nobody's going to say you can't talk <laughs> about this. You can talk about this. It's just yeah. like, give me the goods on the game. Cause that's what we all want. So yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. We're doing this every day. So we're putting, a lot of time into it and also always open to fan feedback and interacting with everyone as much as we can. I love it. I appreciate you coming on. I know you're busy and I know we took an hour of your time today, but uh, I, I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we can do something again in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. Thank you. Um, love what you're doing too. And uh, Mariners appreciate fans it. hang in there. And if you need a therapy sesh, we'll be there for you. Uh, when needed, but, but good luck to, to your fan base that that's listening to this right now and, and this season. And I can't wait. Hopefully not. Hopefully you don't need me this year. I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm agree. hoping for goodbyes. Hope so. <laughs> Hope so. But if not, we're here for it. So can't wait to watch some of these guys pitch. This was actually recorded before the baseball part of the podcast. But if you're watching now, you're going to see a snippet, five, 10 minutes of the portion that we talked about content creation with Scott and about the journey that he took and what other people should do, the advice that he gave, all that good stuff. You can find that portion in the full version on the Sports on Tap channel and our Sports on Tap podcast. Those will all be in the link in the description. And we're going to be doing a lot of content creation, helping creators also get in the business of sports creation on those channels. So check it out if you want to support, and uh, we appreciate you. You can just get started and tell us a little bit about how you started and you know, what you've, from where you were going to like what type of media you're in now? Cause we're really interested in that type of stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. So I was at MLB network for a little over 11 years. So I've been in baseball full time for a long time. Before that I was doing a variety of sports in a variety of roles for a variety of networks. But for me, I left because I felt like I wasn't getting everything from baseball media that I desired. So podcasts, player perspective, authentic conversations, even working with some friends that I had made in my time at MLB Network that had moved on to other jobs, other publications, other shows. So for me, I simply said, what should the modern national baseball network sound like, look like? Where should it live? And that's what I started working on. So that's what foul territory is in 
my vision in our team behind the scenes and their vision, AJ Przinsky, Adam Jones, Todd Frazier, Eric Kratz, Jason Kipnis, keep going down the line. I'm going to miss, I'm not going to say everyone's name because <laughs> we don't have that much time, but Ken Rosendahl's our, our insider, has his own show as well in Fair Territory. So I love podcasts. I love digital shows like Fast Channel, um, Action, YouTube, watching clips on social like many, many millions of others who follow sports that way now. And that's where I wanted to be. It's also not far from the tree if you looked at what I was doing in my later years at MLB Network. So I did some of the you know, basic old school studio shows there, even towards the finish line. But I always enthusiastically raised my hand for being the voice of the Facebook game of the week when that started like seven, eight years ago. Then yeah. when they asked me if I was interested in being the voice of the YouTube exclusive game of the week. Hell yes. I would yeah. rather do that than most TV scenarios because also obviously you can stream that. So to me, it reaches more of an audience. It's a different type of audience. It's a much more interactive, com uh, much more interactive game conversation um, style because we're calling a game regular with the traditional aspects. Plus we are interacting with hundreds of thousands of fans that are watching on YouTube, you know? So yeah. it's a super cool experience. That's what I think we've brought to foul territory and doing a show like this. This is not just like a weekly audio podcast or something. This is a show It's a digital show. And this is in my mind where uh, a young modern audience or an older audience too, um, wants to consume their baseball talk these days, just like a football audience enjoys a Pat McAfee show or, you know, a version with a mix of like a Kelsey brothers spitting chiclets for hockey, those kind of scenarios. And in baseball, we do things every day. So that's how we operate as FT, uh, a weekday, everyday show. And of course, coverage on the weekends as well. That's a great breakdown of it all. I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? <laughs> no, um, I love it. Dude, I love it. I'm all about it. So it's just right. it, it, what I would have been consuming for hours per day if it existed before that. And I know I'm talking about me because I'm on here, but it's about all of the talent, the player hosts, insiders, et cetera, mm -hmm. that we have in three guests per day, which are current players and um, baseball personalities and writers and insiders. Right. And I think, what, like you said, it's just like the on-demand thing, right? People don't have to tune in to their local favorite radio host from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on their drive or the afternoon show. They can even they even that route is going more digital podcast. But I feel like a lot of those TV or like old school radio guys still haven't figured out the digital stuff. So it kind of gives companies like yours, companies like ours, a little space where we can kind of come in and do it differently. Um, maybe we don't have the audience right away like they did, but they also don't ha have that digital expertise. So it's like, it's about, it's a whole new industry basically. And you know, I'm also in the opinion business. Yeah. The modern way is doing it better. Period. Absolutely. <laughs> They're doing it better. Yep. The access, right. It's often free. It's super easy to find. It goes where you go, right? So if it's somebody that is always driving, let's say you're a truck driver or you're just mm -hmm. commuting really far and you need to listen, then yes, you have 
audio on demand at any time and you continuously get notifications if you want them and new shows, right? If you're trying to listen to as much file territory content as you want. Um, the conversations are more real. Some people want some cursing, including many current mm -hmm. players who yep. might just say, I, I don't give a shit about that problem right now. I'm worried about this. Yep. I, I want to hear how they actually talk. So there are so many different ways that I feel like modern media incorporates authenticity and easier access that I think mm -hmm. works. That's why I'm obsessed with it. Yeah, I think that's why you mentioned like Pat McAfee was a good example too. And now he obviously, it's an interesting transition because he's on ESPN as well. But like it shows that ESPN is also starting to understand this is, you know, these type of people are important because it's the it's the type of media, like you said, where people go on, no matter what you think of uh, Aaron Rodgers and his political opinions and things like this, people love that players go on Pat McAfee's show and say whatever he they want, right? Like they feel comfortable, just like you said, in your guys' space, you have players on and they come on and they can say whatever the hell they want and what they mm -hmm. feel. And that's a lot more interesting than the old school buttoned up, you know, just sitting in a studio type of aspect. And that's what I like about this new wave. And I think, you know, there's obviously an in-between. You have, like I said, Pat McAfee, who's now also on ESPN. And you still have some guys, I would mention, in the NBA, like the TNT guys after basketball games, the Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley. They're extremely interesting. They're still on the old TV format, but it's a little more loose and a little more exciting to hear people talk that way rather than the old school buttoned up way. So I, I love that, you know, I like your passion for it too, because we're very passionate about this, this new wave of media as well. Thank you. And for Pat, his show hasn't changed at all yeah. from a content standpoint in terms of having to mold it to what TV wants or what, you know, um, ESPN or whatever those bosses want. Right. I mean, that's been in the headlines quite a bit where it seems like he's had some butting of heads with them about what he's going to do and talk about, and he's not going to change it. So I basically yeah. consider everything he's doing modern media and they're just licensing a slice of what's going on and it's still seen on YouTube for free and all of that. So it's really just, um, a TV channel saying, Hey, we want to try out some of this on TV. We also did have our almost whole season of shows in 2023 on stadium, which is a fast channel and is available on many linear TVs, right? So certain yeah. cable packages and even my parents, for example, who have a Samsung TV would often watch foul territory where they would just go to the app on their smart TV and watch it that way. So I'm like, despite us being on linear, we still curse it has we have complete editorial control of whatever we want to talk about. So I definitely consider us in, in the new media world only at this point yeah and how did you get to this point is that i guess is a big i know that you've had the journey of different places but like what landed you i i or i guess even what's your involvement in foul territory outside of just like producer host uh that's what i read on your twitter bio it says producer host right but I, i'm saying like what got you like what, what is it a phone call from somebody specific did you get started with it how did it all come about because i know that's I'm a the big big step yeah, I'm the co-founder of a production company called Make Plays Media. Um, it's okay. myself. Um, uh, the other co-founder is a longtime, super talented upper echelon producer at spots like Major League Baseball Network and ESPN. And then there are, of course, players that could be considered co-founders as well that are part of the show, like an AJ Pierzynski and Eric Kratz. 
So that company runs the Foul Territory brand um, and some of the other shows in that portfolio, I guess you could call it, like mm -hmm. Fair Territory, more shows to be announced pretty soon. So my involvement is all-encompassing. Mm -hmm. I host some of the shows. I help the production staff. That's where you'd see the producer or EP, whatever you saw on, on a bio. I'm part of our, a big part of our sales team, our distribution team. Anything that gets created, you know, goes through a small team of us behind the scenes. So it is like a true startup situation. We have like a pretty well built out team, super, super talented. And you get to run a company the way you think that you should run it. I worked for a place that's huge, obviously, for mm -hmm. a long time. And now you can say, I would do this differently. I would do that differently. I want to work yeah. with these people. And you get to do all of that. And I have to say, it's scary for some. I was excited about it. It has been way more than I anticipated, all positive. So way more fun, um, like way more incentivized, um, more connected to both the people that you work with and the entire baseball community in general. So it's like by far exceeded my expectations in terms of what my first year in this space has brought. Yeah, I mean, you went from like a huge network where you're probably wearing like one hat or had one key role to wearing multiple hats now. So it's like more dynamic. It's a completely different role, though. But how, did you find it hard to like manage wearing different hats, or was it something you've had background with in the you know in the past? I've had background because I had a consulting company, so I was doing a lot of work um, behind the scenes, mm. on a side hustle action. I was yeah. picking up on. Um, on how to produce, on how to um, work in sales in the media space, also how to lead a team. Like I, I spoke to people that were part of other new media companies mm -hmm. and and learned a lot on that front. And I would say I felt pretty prepared by the time I got there, but also being prepared is saying to a lot of people, I don't know how to do this. Tell me how you do this you know, and, and it keeps changing. Like that's part of it too, right? Yeah. If you don't have that, if you're jumping yeah. into this and you're like, oh, I already know everything. I know how this works. Then you're lying because it's changing fast and no one knows exactly how it works. It's like a new space. It's not that, that new. Cause I'm not even counting, you know, when podcasts first started, this is another step from that. I mean, this is, right. yeah. this is like modern television, right? But, um, I think if you're not learning, then you're doing something wrong.